Hey, what's going on, people? It's Low Heat, and this is episode one of the Low Heat Beats podcast. This is a podcast about making beats, gear, music software, and everything that has to do with music production from the perspective of funk, hip hop, and futuristic electronic music. What you see and hear now is a beat by Italian producer Medi, the first guest on my podcast. He's released plenty of dope music on labels such as Dance Supremacy, Darker Than Wax, Voyage Funk The Stick, and Sidekick Music. He's also a mix engineer and produces for other people in his studio in Rome. We talked about his selection influence, about beat making workflow tips, uh, about the machine versus the Ableton push, and we had some nerd talk about synths such as the Base Station 2. And so I hope you enjoy the casual conversation we recorded. Uh, it was my first podcast in English, so bear with me. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with notifications if you're watching this on YouTube, or subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So yeah, I'm chilling here with my man Mauro, also known as Medi. How you doing, man? Thank you, man. Hi to everybody. Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's just, uh, you know, a tough time for everybody. But uh, yeah, we holding up. How you doing? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine, man. I'm, uh, I've had a very busy week and I'm just chilling uh, at this moment. And I'm really happy, man, to, uh, to have you on my first podcast man it's a big honor for me <laughs> to have uh such an amazing producer mix engineer and all around cool guy because uh, talking to you is really fun you're really positive and we've got a lot of uh, things in common like we're interested in the same pieces of gear music wise music styles and stuff so we've got uh, plenty of uh, stuff to talk about and i'm sure my viewers will uh, will like your presence on the podcast, man. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I hope they do follow the links in the description because I'll put all your socials and some new releases that you may have uh, in the description. So definitely go check um, Mauro's music. It's, uh, it's really incredible. And I'm not saying it just to make <laughs> me feel better. It's the productions are really amazing. But um, Thank one you. of the one <laughs> of the reasons I actually invited you to uh, to be uh, the first guest on my podcast on the channel is uh, because your style of music is very le- relevant to what I do and to yeah to my style basically. So if if we can um, you know summarize it with one word, I would say it's funk, but it's mostly a lot of different styles that I come mean, from it. <clears throat> is the 20th century funk basically so it's uh, pretty much you know taking something from every genre right now and you know making it funky basically so T- totally man so so how did you actually um how did you actually get to uh to this style of music what what led you to start doing doing this so it's a pretty uh it was a pretty long um process actually i didn't start you know as a funk producer because uh you know in the first first time i was starting making music i was really young like 16 years old uh, and i now i'm almost 30 so i'm gonna turn 30 this year actually and um but yeah i was doing more like sound design and uh you know electronic stuff not really into anything you know there wasn't uh, that much music into into that stuff you know it was uh, it was more like production and you know 
synth bass and uh, you know sounds and really heavy you know productions mm-hmm. um, um, and then I think like six or seven years ago when uh, I think the, the the most influential things that started me doing more uh, of this kind of music was uh, the selection mm-hmm. arise so back in the days you know listening to them and uh, you know if you listen to um, SoundCloud back in the days there wasn't so much um that that much interest in music uh because I, I think at the time there was like um uh, if you remember the um, what's it called Tro- uh, tropical house yeah yeah you know sure. the genre you know it's, it was more geared towards uh, i mean like it's more uh, mainstream i think exactly yeah. so it, it was ma- more mainstream and then selection came in and they bring out the you know the soul the funk the the electronic music and that was all mixed so you know a lot of producers at the time got the, the opportunity to basically show up you know their sounds and without the fear you know of, of being different so i think that was one of the main um uh, reasons why i got into this music I recognize that my music has nothing to do with selection, but it was the whole, you know, movement that got me thinking about making some something different, you know, that you can do it. Yeah, without actually doing a certain genre. Exactly. You make some eclectic stuff, combine all your influences and are not afraid to experiment. I think that's what it's all about. So it's, exactly. not, it's not a single genre. So... Uh, yeah, that's what makes it so uh, so dope, man. Totally, totally. I was digging the same kind of music back then, 2013, like I, you. I, I can hear that, yeah, in your yeah, production yeah, too. Yeah, so. totally, man, totally. Um, but one thing that I've noticed from uh, watching your Instagram feed and your Instagram stories is that you're heavily involved with the dancing and popping culture, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think it's really dope because your music has that, has that groove that you just can't not... You can't not dance or not your cat. <laughs> like the groove is so tight. So how did you involve? Uh, how did you get involved with those uh, dancers? That was a pretty funny story. So actually, uh, I didn't know what popping was back in the days, and I made the song called "P for Popping." Um, but I thought like it was popping was a genre, basically not not a style of dancing. You know, I was pretty ignorant. You know, I never. Never been, uh, I always saw people, you know, dancing and, uh, you know, locking, popping and, uh, you know, all the kind of uh, street dance movements, um, but never got into the, the details and the names and everything. So I made this song and then there was a friend of mine, Thomas, uh, which said, you know, I, I got some people that would really, really, really like your music and do you want to make a video with them? Uh, and I say, yeah, I mean, why not? So I got into Neji uh, and his crew back in the days, I think it was four years ago, five, four or five years ago. And uh, yeah, we shot a, a video on P4 Popping on YouTube. And uh, so that's how I got into, you know, knowing more people from that scene. And then basically they got me, you know, uh, after, after a, a, a long time, you know, I understood what's, what was the movement, what was the, um, you know the culture be t- be behind that because it's really amazing like i think it's uh basically is one of the best um 
like surrounding that you can find in, in music they really supportive to one another and even you know there's a lot of um battles and they all you know fight each other but i feel like after every single battle they all friends and they go you know drinking together and it's amazing you know I, I never saw something like that instead if the music music industry there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of people you know uh get, getting really um um how do you say that competitive and hostile yeah to each other yeah instead yeah, yeah, there yeah. it's it's all about you know love and support to each other so I, I got really, you know, that, that movement got, got really big and uh, especially because there's one of the, you know, the Neji, which was basically the one, the first dancer I knew from, from Italy and uh, a, a big friend of mine. And um, so, yeah, he got the, the, the gym that they use for, you know, the, the training basically just around my house. So I can just go to them and they, you know, always play interesting music and I hang out with them. And it's it's just a really cool movement, you know. I know a lot of, a lot of them now and, um, you know, they're really friends for me. Sounds great, man. Really organic way to, you know, to actually spread your music because I'm pretty sure that this has helped your music yeah. to, to reach more people and uh, by, you know, dancers telling about you to their friends and uh, playing your music on in those dance battles so uh, i think it's a really organic way to you know to promote you, your music without you even maybe trying to promote it you know but yeah yeah exactly yeah, it was totally. really organic i never intended to promote my music but they were just you know so supportive i i i, I didn't do anything special you know i didn't uh, promote myself to them. They were just, you know, loving the music and dancing to that. So it, that was really, you know, a logical thing that would uh, happen with with us basically together. And I'm trying to work with them together in the studio uh, a lot uh, more these days. So probably these days it's gonna be a long time since we go back to the studio together. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that that was going to be my next question, man, because. Uh, when we talked last last week, I was surprised that you, uh, because of the coronavirus situation, you're, you're actually one of the people that has been impacted by this and you can't uh, even go to your studio and yeah. do your uh, mixing work. Uh, how, how do you feel about this? That This doesn't really sound all that great. I so. mean, I, I had to stop basically all the, the work I was doing and uh, I had to go in the studio with, uh, you know, some singers and uh, some people that I had uh, around and I had to do mixes and masters for for, for other people. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that uh, this COVID uh, disease kind of slowed the process down. Um, I'm actually going right now, I'm getting back to that with, uh, with these headphones, basically. <laughs> So yeah. Oh, the bar dynamics, the open ones, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's tough, but uh, I reckon if you if you know what you're doing and you actually know, I I kind of remember the sound when I was doing the mixes in the studio, and I remember listening to the songs on these headphones after getting uh, back from the studio. So I actually kind of know how the, the mixes should sound. It's a bit difficult with, you know, the, the volumes and the, the reverbs and, you know, the room, basically. It's, uh, it's, 
there's no room basically in, in uh, with the headphones. Yeah, even if you even if you had your main monitors at home without room acoustics, it doesn't really matter yeah, all they, that much. They, they sound really awful actually, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I prefer just not using them. They actually really like the three inches Mikey uh, speakers. I don't even know the names. Yeah, They're just yeah, yeah. multimedia speaker, you know, just when I'm tired of wearing headphones. And uh, so, yeah, that it was tough, you know, it, it, it's tough to live in Italy right now. And uh, I feel like uh, this, we, we, we kind of in a phase two um, situation right now. So we can go out and see our parents or as they call it, the relative ones. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's the, it, you know, it's the same as the phase one. It's just, I can see my grandparents basically. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally, man. And uh, so this mixing thing, this is actually your day job, right? You can, it's like, a, it's like you, what you do, it's a work basically. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I only work with music right now, so I'm yep, really yep. lucky for that. Um, but uh, it's not only mixing, it's just, I prefer producing actually, right, uh, right. Over, over mixing, obviously, because it's more fun and creative. And, you know, when I produce, I always mix too. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, the best of both. I just make music while, while mixing or mixing while make music. And, uh, you know, it's just more natural for me. The whole so, process. so so do you mix i i, I think we uh, we talked about probably making a separate dedicated like a video or an episode uh, about mixing with you but uh i was curious do you, how much do you actually mix while while producing because what i found out is that if you get too much into mixing while you're actually writing your music you end up with big fat nothing because mm -hmm. like it, you get tired, your ears get tired before you've even developed the whole idea or laid down all the parts. So yeah, how do you deal with this um, situation? You actually over overthink and over, overdo everything when you're producing, actually. I, I, I must say, like, most of the times, like, for all the songs you saw on, the, you know, Spotify and, um, you know, SoundCloud, uh, I don't mix them too much and too heavy they actually a lot of uh, there's actually a lot of sound design on the um, on the individual tracks but no real mixing you know i don't uh, you know when i have a synth uh laying down and uh, I, i prefer you know modifying the synth uh instead of reaching for an uh, an effects after that so i just create sounds based on the music Unfortunately, I'm really quick at sound designing because uh, I spent a lot of time on on synths, you know. That's and, great. Um, That's great, man. So yeah, when I need something, I just reach for uh, the right knob and uh, you know just do it really quick. Because I found at the beginning when you when you're starting to produce, the the big problem is time. For me, it's the biggest enemy of production and making music actually, because it's um, you know when you when you have a sound in mind, then you take like three four minutes just to make a, a base page base patch it's uh, it's cool you keep it in mind but if you take like 20 minutes or half an hour to make just one base patch uh, you just forget you know what you wanted in the first place and maybe you forget the melody and maybe you forget you know what you wanted to do in the first place you lose excitement you know 
Absolutely, man. Because when you sit down to make a beat or a song or a track, you you've got that energy that you, that needs to get out of you, and uh, but it's not. It doesn't last forever. You get exactly. hungry, you get sleepy, the phone rings, and it's over. You know. Yeah. So exactly. Perfect. So uh, what's so, yeah. what's your process on that? That do you mix while uh, producing? A uh, very like, if I need to make like an adjustment. I do it very quickly, but mostly my approach is pretty much the same. I've got a collection of uh, of samples. Maybe also I also save my drum kits. Like this is a great tip for uh, for our viewers and listeners who are working with Ableton. Use your user library to save your drum kits that. Uh, that you really like and you know they work it's it's amazing that with ableton you can save the whole chain of mm -hmm. effects as well so uh, if you know that uh, if you have something that works you save it to your user library drag and drop it onto the next project and you know it works i mean it may need some tweaking a bit later but you've got that initial good sounding drum kit or a synth patch or uh, you know uh, so, whatever so you basically save the whole drum kit with the effects Totally, man. I I okay, make that's cool. I, I often not not every time, but uh, I often make an instrument track to to have the effects contained into the. Mm -hmm. And also, there's one great also one uh, great feature you you can do with uh, with Ableton is that you can actually import tracks from your older projects when you have them in the browser. I mean, if I yeah. remember, oh, I had those dope drums in the last track I did. I I, I may just import it, and uh, again, I have it. Sounded yeah, yeah, pre yeah. Pre pretty good. Of course, you can resample and whatever. But yeah, that's what I prefer to do. And with presets, with presets, with synth presets, it's pretty much the same. And uh, what I also like a lot is that saving those instrument tracks in Ableton, you can save them with VSTs. So I have my favorite, uh, for example, Monarch, which is my favorite bass plugin. I've got uh, a lot of presets saved with it, with effects. Mm -hmm. With Ableton rocks instead of yeah yeah okay yeah so instead of loading uh, Monarch which is which you need to load Reactor and then load Monarch and blah, 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 I just mm -hmm. drag and drop it and I'm good to go. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's what. That's um, what I, I did. I, I never use uh, you know the, the um, I always do as you as you as you said already you know I I drag and drop tracks inside projects you know for my old projects. That's a really great feature in Ableton. I don't know if you know that many programs has this uh, possibility actually, because it's really, really, really cool. And um, but yeah, I never thought about um, saving the the drum kits because what I do usually it's I save the sounds that I love inside my library, and uh, the, it's a mix mixture of sounds that I bought and uh, sounds that I made, and uh, I just scroll through them. But it's you know it's not a big library so i usually you know i have like 40 gigs and i and i choose uh you know with them and obviously i have my favorite uh ones that i always get back to and uh i had a pretty good tip actually that um i don't know who said it. I, I, I think i saw it on youtube um that you know when you do sound design save the wave file and then save another Ableton kind of, um, you know, device with all mm -hmm. the settings, you know. So you save the whole channel. So if you want to tweak just a little bit, uh, you know, the, the maybe the the tail of the kick or something, you can do that without changing the the wave file. You know, you can go back to the to the process. 
Absolutely, absolutely. This can work too. Uh, it, it, it just uh, the bad thing is when you start uh, looking amongst gigabyte gigabytes of samples for <laughs> that one sample. This is what you don't want to do. Like if you have your favorites and if you've separated the ones that you really know you're gonna use, that's cool. But you know, looking for uh, a I needle in the haystack, uh, it's uh, it's a creativity killer. In my that's a big problem of new producer actually I, I always find them to search for sounds and they have like so many sounds that I, you know with a sound you need to get attached to it because I, I think like between a hundred kicks uh, you know there's not gonna be that much difference you know between them you always like the same kind of the same type you know you have you already have tastes obviously so what's the point of having a hundred of them if you can modify one or two of them and have the the uh, consistent results, you know, inside your music? And that's you know this process kind of generate your sounds after after you know at some point it's it's uh, it's a normal process, you know. So when people ask you how to how do you develop your sound, it's just you know uh, it's not the sound, it's your taste that's that's developing basically. So, you know, there's no point of having a really big library for me. Instead, like right now, I, I deleted all my sample. Basically, I started from, from scratch and I only have the, the my samples. And uh, there's a really good, um, I have like uh, the Noise subscription, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which I think like, you know, in between sounds.com and Splice and there's... Uh, don't remember there's a lot of them right now uh, i think there's one from loop cloud. Uh, output loop cloud exactly the one from loop master right mm -hmm, totally and uh but i found like the the night samples are the most organic and unique because they they're not uh over over processed so you can mix them you know in your song and they really light so that's maybe why a lot of people prefer splice because that's really hard eating. If you know decap drums, you put a kick and it's already <laughs> exploding everything. So. I, I know them and I've uh, watched his videos. He actually smashes them with the glue compressor with the soft saturation, and uh, which is a really good tip actually. But you can now that you know it, you can do it yourself. You know, with heavy drums and you know yep. create yep. your your the your drums, yep. not the yep. one that everybody used. So yep. yeah. Yep. But that's interesting uh, topic because, uh, yeah, I think those companies, they need to impress the beginners, the people that, uh, that are struggling with finding uh, awesome sounds, that are struggling with mixing and sound design. So Perfect. if they hear those drums and they're, wow, these drums are banging, man. You know, it works, but it's not that flexible. You, you can't really uh, modify them that much. So um yeah that's I'll, exactly what i'm i'm thinking so yeah you explained it really really well yeah 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 totally <laughs> so, so noise right um it's for uh, sam sample phonic actually i don't know if you remember yeah the, yeah the and I, I i've i've uh, visited the website but i haven't uh, really used it how much does it cost actually uh i think i'm an early uh adopter now i'm paying like five five dollars every month so really it's not a lot for everything for, for how many samples everything. everything you can even download everything in one day if you want to wow with splice it's not so cheap and with sounds.com with sounds.com man uh they'll they've been uh 
I, I'm not gonna say spamming because I'm interested in their stuff, but they've been sending me emails, you know, sounds.com, sounds.com. Well, that's great, man, but they're not available in Bulgaria, in my country. And so... Oh, really? Yeah, and they are still not available. I think like, they're like, oh yeah, we're coming to your country, you're coming. When? Like, I, I think there was an Italy too. We, I had the same problem because I wanted to try them um, some time ago, and uh, you know I couldn't pay with anything. Like I have a PayPal, you know, and, and I have you know a credit card, uh, nothing. They didn't accept it. And but I could back in the days there was you know when they first opened they got the free samples, and uh, I downloaded some of them, and they were. One pack which was really really cool was uh, Mike Colombo, which is a keyboard player. He plays R&B and you know hip hop and this kind of style, and it was so cool. It was free, so yeah. I don't I don't know if they do it. Uh, they still do it like free samples every week or so. Not yeah, not sure. But I uh, generally dig the native instrument sounds, so I think they got some dope stuff there. But I just can't use it unless I move move abroad. So like. It doesn't really um, work, but they, and they also have this integration because because I use machine obviously, and uh, they've got this integration with complete control and uh, with machine, so you can have your samples right in the browser without so actually. Can, you can you can browse browse the um, uh, the sounds that come samples from not, machine. I think not the store, but the sounds that you've actually purchased. Ah, okay, okay, okay. But you find it to cool. your library straight from the and with machine i think it's gonna be dope because you can probably do it from the hardware so because i because i like to work with the with the machine hardware pretty uh pretty often actually because it i think the experience is like uh yeah it's like, it's like an NPC. Working, yeah it's like working with an npc i mean with the push it's really dope as well but with the push there's some stuff i need to do with the mouse and <laughs> i'm actually only using the push for uh, play rec records and uh, not yeah, much. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, still, so still dope for this. It's still great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can, I can see. Like, I, I try to play it with, you know, the notes like a lounge pad. You know, when you when you have that kind of grid, then you can try to, you know, the, you can change the kind of grid and how they the the keys behave. Yep. Um, but I didn't find anything that I could play, you know, as a, as a, I'm oh, used to the keyboard. Oh, you so. mean the, so you're talking about the keyboard mode, the... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I, you play really, synths and Yeah, even, even though you can actually eliminate the wrong notes, mm -hmm. I'm still not good with this. I mean, I prefer to play it on the keys, because... I think it's for guitarists, actually, because it's for some way as the similar layout to guitars. That's a great point, man. It's the so-called isomorphic layout, if I'm not mistaken. So it makes much more sense to guitar players. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's uh, it's, it's really dope, so. The, there was actually a mode that I, I, I remember. I, I still have it somewhere. It's uh, it's a, uh, you do you know native control, actually? They making like, um, um like not patches but the you know the custom remote controls for the you know the midi controls and there I was one thing for for the push uh which was actually uh, it was really really difficult to use like there was so many stuff like you can even import some midi file and uh, the this this script kind of analyzed the midi file 
and then imports all the um, um, the chords that you played in the way you played inside every note. So it populates like the the single notes of the whoosh with the chords, and it was so amazing. But it's too difficult for me. But are but they? But are they, sorry to turn to but are they just parallel chords or are they like the proper chord that needs to be on this exact note for this key? no 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 you you just you know if you uh, for example you just impose one midi file from a big library you know okay of kind of uh, soul producer you know okay. that's a soul keyboardist and he played like uh four chords but you know the way they play chords is not like straight boom yeah it's like more like you know you you str str uh, it's called strumming 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 yep, yep, or something. Yep, yep, yep. yeah so with this program you can actually import the whole strumming and in the way they did it inside every note of the push it was really really complex and uh, yeah for some I, I couldn't use it like it was so difficult but then like there was one mode i don't know if you know the um, on the ipod there's an app um which uh, you know lets you play the chords in a in a really easy way i think it's the same of uh uh midi controller with buttons with all the buttons but they like uh octagons i think i remember this one but don't i don't remember how it's called so, so it works like a midi controller you connect your ipad to your uh, computer mm -hmm. and you exactly. use it as a midi controller right exactly and he has a really really easy way to play really difficult chords because they, they actually you play like in a, in a row like this is a minor and this is major i don't know if, <laughs> if i explained it really well but basically you can do the same on the ipad on the on the push yeah and yeah, it's yeah. actually really easy then to play different chords and i think jay elliott is uh, i don't know if you know him jay elliott that uh, you know has another youtube channel and i saw the program from him actually yeah and, you've mentioned um, him but i didn't have the, mm -hmm. have the time to to check him out but i will definitely do but my opinion on these native control things i think that they were i i looked into them back in the day when i was using those stupid controllers you know the the cork pad control the akai mpd you know these yeah this one too like and i'm by saying stupid i don't mean they're bad but but they are just sending like you you don't have the the backwards communication so it's not like the push which is a instrument yeah, in yeah, itself yeah. it's and, a script uh, yeah and i think the native control scripts are good for those kind of controllers to have some control of your session uh besides just playing notes and you know uh tweaking uh, knobs but can you do a whole like is it like an MPC? So can you close the screen from uh, of the PC and just work from machine? Absolutely, man. That's what that's what I really, really like about the machine and the MK3 actually took this to the proper level. I mean, the one thing with machine that you can't do, and it's, I swear, man, it's one thing. You can't actually type the name of your project. This is what you need to do from the keyboard everything else you can load projects save projects you can change your audio interface buffer settings you can change from your from the the hardware unit absolutely man you can change your preferences you can edit midi like you can so that's, edit your that's another thing i need to spend money on thank you uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah man but uh, I like I've, dis I've discussed it a lot on the channel but uh, what's really 
not uh, what I really don't like about the platform is that I need to export my I mean, it's very quick to make a bit, but I need to export it to Ableton to have the flexible arrangement options. But it, what's, what's the difference between the arrangement on machine and the arrangement? On, can you edit the clips, you know, and cut them and, you know? Yeah, not really. You can't really cut them that much. They're, they're, it's all like it's, it's the session view of Ableton, but horizontally. I mean, the, it, it, they don't have the flexible arranger okay. that there is in Ableton. It's all divided into scenes. Like, so it's this sequence, this sequence, this sequence. But so if, if you want to do, do a drum fill, you need to do another clip. You need to duplicate it, right. And if you want to do a transition, you need to have like an empty clip and the transition is at the end. Nah. And there's no audio. There's no audio tracks. So, so it's uh, exactly like an MPC, basically. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And they're planning to actually improve this and to make it more like a, make it closer to a proper DAW now that they're going to be releasing a new version in the summer, which, oh, cool. which would be really great because I, I, I would really love to be able to finish the, the tracks there. I mean, I'm not going to stop using Ableton, obviously, but because um, there the effects are dope, the sounds are dope. So do, yeah. do you have you ever tried the, the um, MPCs? Is it called MPC Studio? MPC, the program, the door on the the only MPC I've had was the MPC 1000, which was before they actually did those modern MPCs. It was mm -hmm. one of the older MPCs and I, the black I have one, right? Yeah, was it was it? the black one. And it's really by today's standards, this is a really limiting, limited machine. So I sold it, got the machine that was back in 2010, man. That was like pff, 10 years ago. What, why the, did you like, what was the limitation that made you switch into a machine? Uh, first of all, because I started making music on the computer before that. I'm not uh, like a ah, okay. MPC user from day one. I was so using, you switch into a PC and then back to the... Yeah, I was using FL Studio like when I was in high school or something. Then I got into Ableton. But what was really like a huge shock for me, because I read, oh, they've ha they have like, you know, 10, 12 effects or like six, I'm not sure how many effects. And I was like, okay, I can do with those. Like they, they've got the essentials. And when I started using it, I realized, uh, and they said they have two effects actually. You can use two effects. And I was like, oh, you, so you mean I can use two effects on each sound? Yeah, I can manage with that. And then I realized you actually have, you can use two effects on the for, all your, for all your sounds at any given time in the project. Okay. And I was like, okay, this is really, I mean, it's a really cool machine, but uh, I really rely on sound design a lot like you do. And so uh, you need to pr print them basically every time. Yeah, that, that's why to. a lot of people use like uh, the SP404 or a Chaos Pad or some other hardware uh, effects processor to actually sample through them with the effects or uh, run the sounds out of the MPC and back through the effects processor. And mm -hmm. while this can lead you to, to some really great results, uh, basically this the year that I got the MPC, I probably made only one beat the whole year or two beats, you know. And I was like, man, I really love this machine, but it doesn't really work. And by that time, machine, the first version was getting, you know, getting really popular. And I was like, man, this is the same thing. I can work 
only with the controller without actually looking at the screen and mousing around because this is very bad for your wrist and mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. know and you and uh yeah but you don't you don't even have the the machine studio the bit the big one like with the screen so you Never can work had... with the bit with the with the smaller one like with everything Never had the studio, but the, the MK3 is actually better than the studio, in my opinion, because it has the same screens mm-hmm. and it's smaller. It doesn't take up much space and it actually has a built in audio interface. So it's cool. really great if you want to take it on the road. You don't need to bring an audio interface. You already have a high quality native instruments interface built in the so you can sample from is it a mic interface does a does it have like you can only record from uh, in, in terms of line inputs you can sample of course from uh synths Everything, from mixers yeah. from okay. yeah but in terms of mics it's only um dynamic mics. there's no xlr and there's no phantom power uh but i guess the, the limitation is that they wanted to to be able to run it uh, off USB power. Okay, yeah, sure. So I mean, back in the days, there wasn't that much, uh, I think, technology to do everything with the lighting and machine and screen and put a phantom power. Because like right now, the phantom power is it's working with you know audio interfaces with only a USB. But I think like you you know with all the lightings and everything the machine has. Absolutely, man. It has two color screens and so many buttons. And actually, you've noticed something about and and I guess that's a lot about the comparison between between the two. And one of the things uh, you I think you've noticed about the push too, because I know you you use it as well. And when you plug out the power supply, mm-hmm. it's really you, dim. You cannot see anything. Like if you have a if you have a dark room, okay, but if uh, as soon as it's properly lit, you you don't see anything. Because it's and an OLED. I think it's an OLED display. It, it sucks a lot of power, actually. But it's I, not I just see. a display. It, all the pads, all the buttons get really dim. And with the machine, they also have two very crisp, very nice displays. And without when you, the, without and the. It has an optional power supply as well. But when you pull off, pull out the power supply, it's still very bright and very nice to work so yeah that's a big difference between the the, the two uh because with the machine you just plug it no need for power supply you got an audio interface built in so it's dope it's dope i, I don't think the push is actually he has that much of uh you know of uh a, 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 it's not taken inside my workflow that much i don't know why it just doesn't stick with me you know i was really interested i'm like the, I bought it on the bought it on the first week when it was out in Italy, so I'm the, one of the, the really the push early. To, did you have the first beforehand? The first yeah. one, and uh, you know, with that one you can use it actually without the the the, the power supply. It Absolutely, doesn't change as much, you know, as this one. Absolutely, but, but I, the pads were not really that that good on the on the on the. They're really really bad. Like on the you, push one, you, on the push one, that is. Yeah, yeah on yeah. the push two, they're amazing. Like for me, that's one of the best parts. And I actually play, play drums on them. I, I love playing drums, but it's a bit overpriced, you know, only for playing drums. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually trying, because when you're in the studio and you have a lot of, you know, maybe synths and stuff laying around, I just, you know, the, mo- the mouse is quicker. 
and plus I'm used to the workflow, you know, of um, macros and, you know, with the keyboard actually, and, uh, you know, the mouse, I'm really quick. Instead, if I need to use, if I want to use the push, I just need to force myself on being slow, basically. Because there's no way you can set up an audio, uh, an audio channel with the push as quick as you do with the mouse, you know, and just change the, the inputs and everything. But um, it can be done actually if you go to the mixer settings. You can set up the inputs, but uh, like you, you said, you can do yeah, you can do everything from the push. It's actually in, uh, except saving the project and doing totally, some stuff. Totally, you can do everything. But if you're used to using the mouse, you'll be quicker with the mouse, right? No, I don't think it's a workflow made for uh, for hardware unit Ableton. Instead, machine. I think it's really well made for that reason you know it's like mpc exactly where would you use a mouse like it's that's no sense you know everything makes sense with with a big knob and uh and the pads but with with the push is not that it's not made made in that way it's just a plus on ableton actually a very good point this is exactly my opinion because uh push was added to ableton at a later point Exactly. And machine was built from the ground up with the idea to to work from the controller, so exactly. it that's why the machine controller, in my opinion, is uh, it's much more fun to use. But uh, yeah, they're both off, man. Like uh, it's hard to compare them. They're both really great. But uh, this actually leads me to because talking about the push and saying that you don't really um, use it uh, that much and you prefer. Uh, the the next topic that I want to discuss is how do you actually start making uh, those beats? Because do you do you start to, on the session view? Do you start on the arrangement view? And basically, do you have a certain process? Because people watching my channel, they know basically how I. But this is what I do. This is how mm -hmm. I start my beats. But how do you do this? And I know you start your project in, in the. You know, we 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 did a, a collaboration actually. So I saw you making clips on the yeah, on yeah, the yeah. session view actually. But no, I just. Um, I don't know. I when I started using uh, live, uh, was usually using both, like starting on the session view and you know making loops. But right now it doesn't make sense for me because I just record. Um, I don't record loops that much. I just do you know when I when I'm playing the bass, I'm actually uh, turning on records, re record and then just record for t 32 uh, you know. Uh, bars or something and just you know I just leave record and just play it and then most of the time I just change some notes and keep it like that I like that it's not always the same you know and it's it makes your music a bit more alive so I found myself you know starting more on the arrangement view these days um, in terms of what I do first it's uh it's not the great question i'm i'm just you know laying around and maybe because uh, you know I, I i usually don't start a beat um because i want to do a beat i'm usually you know sound designing on the some scenes that i have or just you know i'm just listening to, to some songs and uh, maybe take a little bit of that song and copy the the, um, the drum parts of on the the keys or make the melody as a bass line or I don't know everything that's that sticks with me at that moment and uh, yeah just play around with that usually they really simple beat and um, you know just like drums keys and uh, and bass 
most of, a lot of bass. <laughs> yeah, of course, bass is super important <laughs> with the funk. You can't have the funk without the bass, man. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where you need you to lock without the bass. You need to lock the groove. You know, you have to, yeah, to yeah, have. Yeah. You know, if you have the right kick, uh, snare, clap, or and the bass, you pretty much made the whole song. You're halfway there, totally, totally, man. I agree. And but yeah, you you mentioned those synths, man, and I've seen you uh, do those Instagram jams with the uh, with the bass station, and mm -hmm. then uh, you also have the Deep Mind 12, which is. Uh, I would say it's a great synth. The name is really tacky, man. I don't know, DeepMind 12. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't called DeepMind actually in, at, the, at the beginning. I was following the, the production of this, this unit and it, it was called, uh, uh, I don't remember the name. But yeah, he, has, he had another name. They called it DeepMind when they added the effects. Because that's the most, you know, the, the killing part of this synth is that Behringer basically both every single you know effects uh company tc electronic so, yeah tc electronic they have like uh ah, clark technic clark technic yeah absolutely. so they when they had these companies they made the whole fx unit and uh you know they made it really deep so that's why they call it deep mind because it's uh it has a lot of possibilities actually i didn't explode them and i made almost a hundred patches patches Till now, and I didn't explore every single every single th thing that it's on this synthesizer. Um, instead, with the, you know with the base station, uh, it was a pretty much you know what you see, what you get, and uh, you know you have different modes like the you know the the, the new uh, FX Twin <laughs> modes, yeah. which is really cool, but I don't find myself using that. So for for the listener, it's just you you make one patch for every key of the base station and when you press one key it changes from from different patches so you can make you know you can make kick clap uh, maybe a bass but only one note you know on every key so it's uh i don't know you can play one sound at the time basically it's not it's not it's fun you know if you make glitch music kind of you know strange electronic Absolutely, man. It's impressive what they packed into the base station because uh, they added a lot of improvements later on and it's a really solid synth. Uh, actually, I've had it for about, I don't know, five, four or five years. Never thought about selling it, so I guess it's it's solid. I think it's one, it doesn't sound, for me, it doesn't sound that kind of, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't have the, the Moog sound or the Odyssey sound, which they are really, you know, Uh, you can recognize them, but basically you can do everything with that. And it doesn't, you know, if you need something, it delivers always. So that's what, you know, sticks with me with that scene. And I know, I know you use that all the time for probably because that reason too, because it's, uh, you know, it's versatile, you know, you can do everything and it's duophonic too. So absolutely, absolutely for, uh, uh comparing to it to, to the others budget analog mono synths uh they all have there uh, what i found out is they all lack something i like for, for example the monologue doesn't have a proper mm. pitch bend it, it has that stick which is nah 
I, I want mm -hmm. my pitch bent, I want my mod wheel, and uh, the sound, it's really, like you said, really versatile in terms of sound. And uh, what I really like about it is that actually adding resonance and adding the distortion algorithms doesn't actually cut your bass, which, which actually happens on pretty much every other yeah. analog, like if you, if you use the Moog, if you use the Moog, let me say Moog. it properly, Moog. Yeah, <laughs> it's Moog. Yeah. If you use the, but I'm not, not going to be saying Moog, no. <laughs> I'll forget so yeah uh, but if you if you use the mook if when you when you crank up the resonance it loses the bass and with the bass station it, it's not like that so yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's really um I, I i really like the filter on this one but i think the distortion is the is the um, the killing feature on that one because i i love distortion anyway so having two these two kind of distortion and they really make sense you know because one is before the filter and the other one is after the filter and they really make sense. I know why they they put it in in that in that way, you know. And um, I think if 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 it wasn't for distortion, probably you know you couldn't enjoy the whole uh, vibe of that synth, probably. Um, so they made the best, uh, probably the best of the out of the both worlds. Because I I think it's really precise as an analog synth, so it doesn't really you know have. Uh, phase issues between the oscillators and you know all the you can do it but it's fake it's almost like the the deep mind that's the same thing you know that uh, the, um, they are actually analog oscillator but they're digitally controlled so basically they they always in tune but you can make them uh you know act like a hardware synth uh, like a, a analog oscillator sorry and uh, yeah, uh, no, actually in the deep mind the DCO, so they No, I think they're and both the base station and the deep mind. I think they're both DCOs, so they're analog oscillators, but they're stable because they're digitally controlled. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I really, I really like it actually because first of all, no need to wait for it to warm up before actually being in tune. So I, I mean, that's that's crazy for me. Like. You know, yeah, yeah. I've heard about. You the, need to have it all the time on. You know, if if you don't want to wait one hour to just. Yeah, uh, some know. actually. I, I was looking into the little fatty before uh, I bought the base station, and the little fatty because it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's the rack. It's the rack mount one. What is the what is the okay. little fatty? Or the slim fatty. The slim fatty. I, I think. think it was the slim fatty, which was just a rack uh, mount. Just a, that's yeah, a tabletop yeah. unit, no keys. I, I think no. I, I think it's the the black one. Like the the Taurus, maybe. Nah, nah, nah. I think it was the it was the slim fatty, the the rack unit, the, the the tabletop unit. And what I read about it is that it actually you actually needed to wait for about half an hour or an hour for it to to get in tune, which is even more than other MOOC synths because it's so small, and uh, it sounds amazing, man. But like. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that much time, you know. So, I, I remember being in the in the studio with some friends, and uh, you know they have a mon the the old Monopoly from Cog, oh. and we actually um, turn it on, and then basically go make pasta, eat. So then <laughs> almost two hours passed by, and it was still like really, really randomish. Like you cannot tune the the oscillator in no way. Like really, you have them, you know, usually that like that, you need to put them like this. And then after one minute, they just, you know, you need to retune them. So it's just like a, a, basically a guitar, basically. So you, every time you play that, they re-go out of 
tune and you need to tune them again which i i don't mind that too much to be honest because um, i don't feel like if they auto tune that not usable instead it's just you know like in the moment they sound a bit more you know random and uh, you know maybe you can use that to your advance you can record you know the randomness at first and then you know half an hour later while you go um over the song you record uh the the more straight part and maybe you can use both i don't know it's just yeah but, but but like you said you can't even tune it because it's fluctuating it's not like yeah. a couple of cents up or down it's constantly changing Min so minus even minus 50 like half uh half a semitone actually. yeah quarter tone which is which sounds awful like when you have other instruments going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean it depends if you filter that and distort it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, man, totally. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's cool to have some uh, some hardware because uh, you know to touch the knobs and have some more character in the sounds. Because software synthesizers, I feel they're great and I use them a lot. Obviously, I've got the complete twelve and the uh, mm -hmm. Arturia V Collection six. I don't have the Excel versions of anything because I think this is already too many synths. Actually, I, I'm not yeah. sure why people buy those Excel versions where. Your life that's too much, yeah. You don't have enough time in your <laughs> life to hear all the sounds, let alone yeah. use them. But that's uh, true. whatever, so so you're basically using both, right? You're using Diva as well for um for um I'm I actually I must say that I don't think the hardware synths sounds that different from VSTs right now, especially the good ones. Like, but especially the good ones is the key point because if you have the the older ones, they all sound like yeah, kind, garbage, kind, kind of plasticky, you know. Yeah. The the like the really good ones like Diva, like Monarch, they're really close to hardware, like yeah. pretty much indistinguishable in in most cases, right? But I feel like when you hear the the thing is, it's it's two things. Like you you can. The, the hardware, um, you know, the sound is uh, passing by, you know, the the, um, the analog world before hitting the, um, the your door, right? Your your analog interface. So those two conversions add something to the sounds. And obviously, if you have a cheap synthesizer, like I mean, a hardware synthesizer, probably it sounds shit, or or maybe it sounds great. Because you like that that kind of grittiness, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but definitely that thing, like you know, that cables add something. Yeah, because it you passes know? into the real world. It's not all virtual. Like even even if it's a digital synth, it may be a digital synth, not an analog. But the like interacting with electricity and with the real world adds something uh, to to the sound so even if you resample your software scenes like this so yeah i i, agree. I, th I think it, in the end it doesn't mean anything if you if you you know if you know your end result but it's inspiring for me uh at least you know having a hardware synth and knowing i need to play uh you know um in, um, in the best way possible because i don't i don't record midi usually with synths i just go straight with audio and you know, if I if I do something wrong, it's just uh, it's gonna you know remain wrong, and I like that for some reason. I'm I'm like a bit of masochist. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right, so, right. But I think like it's there's uh, there's something like beautiful about you know the, um, being a bit uh, imprecise and you know doing things 
um, that you cannot really adjust too much in the PC. Um, and I and I, I like that, you know. It's kind of made my way, made made his way in the, in my music. You know, if you if you listen to my song, usually there's, um, you know, there's something uh, all the time. There's something changing, even though it's the same uh, loop. Uh, you can feel it; it's changing, and that's because I played it two times, basically. All right, <laughs> right. So you so you double track it as audio. Is that um, it's, it's not double tracking. I just play the whole song. Uh, okay. Oh, you know. so you, oh, okay, so you play the whole song all the way through. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. And then you know, I obviously cut the the really bad parts, but most of the times, you know, I keep that, you know, not as a loop. Right. I think that's really important to have that human feel. So mm -hmm. dope, dope. That's that, that yeah. good to know, man. Um, and yeah, but also what I like about this is that you. You've recorded this, you've recorded it. It is what it is. You don't have the option to tweak it endlessly. So you, you're committed to, to what you've recorded and you can move on, which is yeah. actually quite liberating because, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you, you need to move on. There's nothing yeah. you can do, you know, it's, so exactly. you, you cannot tweak the envelope or the, you know, even the, the pitch, the, the, the pitch down that you made, exactly. you cannot, you cannot move it. So, you know. Exactly. Either you do that another time or you, you leave it as it is. And I think that, you know, the, um, the problem right now with those is that you have uh, like infinite uh, um, kind of, you can, you can make a mistake infinite time and, you know, just go back for it. But if you just commit to that and, uh, you know, you just stick with the first one and you listen, you listen, you, you listen again, you find that errors are... Uh, you know, beautiful in, in, in some way, you know? So it's like, um, it's more like, when I think about music production and uh, and everything that's uh, music related, I, I think it's like, uh, those things are the things that's um, shaping your sound the most, basically. So the fact that you maybe uh, commit to something you did one time, and even if you all the time you have something that you don't like, you keep with that, you know, because other people don't listen to music like you do anyways. So why would you, you know, keep adjusting things uh, until they sound perfect? Because in the end, they sound perfect to you, but it doesn't mean sound perfect to everybody. So, you know, if you, if you stick with that, with, the, with that imperfection, they make your sounds in the end. And it's a way of producing that's more for me at this point is more natural. Because I'm, you know, as I told you, um, you know, my background is really sound design and you, you know, you, you just move midis basically all the time. And there's nothing real by that, you know, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I realized it's not about the, the midi notes, the, the little, you know, red things in, in life. It's, it's more about how you, how you feel them. Because if you stop feeling them as little red things and more about sounds and you hear the sound instead of seeing the, the, the MIDI, the MIDI uh, things, um, you can use Ableton as a real world instrument. So it's, it's always about your, um, uh, your workflow, your way of thinking music. And, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's the most important thing that it's not the sounds, it's not how you made your, uh, chords is not how you made your bass. What instrument do you use? That's you know that's a bonus for you, 
even mixing. I mean, it's cool that you have your song, which is really, really sounding amazing and hitting really hard. But you don't need that, you know? You, you just need your sound. And... Uh, so exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because when you have those uh, imperfections, it's like you're injecting more of yourself into the sound, because if everything is perfectly quantized, perfectly in tune, like, where, like it could have been done by a robot. Like, it's not, there's no human ex expression. So uh, I think these things, and even though regular listeners, they don't really notice those things, I, I think it, uh, it basically improves the whole vibe of the song and they can feel it subconsciously without actually knowing what you did and how you used it, but. I, I think you write until a certain point, like it's, it's true that listeners doesn't, um, get all of all those little details that you put in your into your music but after 10 songs that you put out or 20 songs that you put out people start to realize oh that's not uh that's not something you know made from uh you know it's not made by a mistake or random it's his sound mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. at some point it develops your sound you know all these things that you stick with in the long run it's obvious because obviously if you put out one song people cannot really understand your vision and uh, you don't really have a vision most of the times because mm. it's one song <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. and uh yeah if you stick with that and you keep that uh people will i'm, I'm you know i'm really um trustful and uh, i really think people will get it at, at some point if you stick with your vision you know if you don't just do music for you know because all the people uh does that or, or just you want to follow the, the the latest trend absolutely you know absolutely. You, you need to make timeless music anyways and that's 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 gonna help you in the long run and that's probably what the the biggest producer from back in the days they they were thinking at that time you know yeah, exactly. And uh, this was maybe a period of time where uh, people were more like working together, like not not like we are uh, just by ourselves locked into our studios. People were more like um, gathering together and working with other uh, people. And I know you, you work with a lot of vocalists, actually. And I just wanted to touch about this uh, a little bit. And in terms of uh, how do you actually deal with... Um, making sure that everyone is happy when you're working with a vocalist because obviously you have like three scenarios like you have maybe you've paid them and they do whatever you say and the end result is gonna sound whatever you want it to sound then you have the second scenario where it's a collaboration and you need to be happy with the end result they also need to be happy with the end result because you don't pay them up front obviously and it's a organic collaboration and then you have the third scenario when you're doing it for them and then obviously it matters much more that they are fine with everything how, how everything sounds and uh, they're happy so how do you actually balance this with your collaborators because i've heard of uh, a lot of your um tracks with vocalists and uh, they sound mm -hmm. really dope so how do you deal with making sure they're they're happy with the do you have like any do you make any compromises and stuff <laughs> so okay i just basically the i'm only um 
I can only speak about the the the, the second and the third example because I never paid for vocalists for my vision. I, don't, I just don't like that. You know why why would I pay someone to do a job for me? You know it's a it's a singer probably is gonna be the most um, you know the um, the thing that for people uh, is is more important. You know so if I think if someone made uh, vocals for you and they just paid. I don't think they would made it a hundred percent, you know. I agree. They, I agree. I agree. You're not gonna have the vibe. So I, I think a producer, a producer can work for artists, you know. Obviously, for artists, I mean um, vocalists. But the opposite is a bit uh, problematic, at least for for what I experience in. in no, I agree, man. I, I know. I know. Uh, I know about this. I know how you work. I just um, yeah, because I've had these uh, situations like you, you. You want the other person to be happy with the end result as well, because they, you know. I want I want it to be our song. It's not my song, anyways. I I'm, I I don't like you know being the um, the you know the one that decides everything, because otherwise I wouldn't go with the vocalist. I can do that myself with the photo box or maybe even singing. But I'm searching for collaboration. That's a great actually uh, follow up to, to, to this question because we talked about it like uh, I think uh, last week because uh, you do you do the talk box obviously and at some point you were like you know what f it I'm gonna I'm gonna sing my own vocals right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's still rough, but at this point uh, I think at this point of uh, time and uh, you know we are on 2020. And right now you can hear a lot of uh, bedroom producers and bedroom singers that actually uh, uh, are, are making it into everyday life of, of uh, you know, normal people, not only producers. They're not only on SoundCloud, they, they're basically on Spotify and Billboard and really big playlists. If you only think about Smokers, you know, and all these producers that actually uh, sing, but they're not like amazing singers per se. I mean, they're not bad, but uh, I think with all the the production, um, you know, tools. Uh, advantages and tools that you can use, uh, your voice can be just another instrument. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, you need to treat it like another instrument if you want to, if you if you want to start, because uh, it's uh, in uh, I don't. If you feel a lot of pressure, you know, for your vocals, I don't think you're gonna ever start. And I, I am one of the most out of tune person that you can actually find in the world. So I just work, work really hard for, you know, recognizing pitches. And imagine like I couldn't recognize pitches five years ago and uh, now I just started singing. So that was awful. Like at the beginning, I couldn't even, you know, I was hearing the, the notes in my mind, but I couldn't. Uh, you know, you, you put can't it out. make your vocal cords do what you want them to to do. I think this is the hardest part, right? Exactly. But I think after some points it comes natural. I think the vocals are vocals and voice in general are the most you know easiest. The, are the easiest instrument you you have. It's the most natural. You know, you use them all the time. So why don't you um, train them? You know, like like every other instrument, and uh, you know that that got me into um, thinking about vocals a bit more lightly. You know, and don't put too much pressure into singing. 
that was the deal breaker for me. So I started singing. And maybe you're gonna hear uh, my one project in Italian, because I obviously cannot sing okay. in English. Um, but uh, yeah, there's actually a track uh, which I sang in English uh, on my EP for the dancers, which is probably gonna be released sometime soon when I feel like releasing that. Because <laughs> I don't know, with this quarantine, everything stopped for me, so... I think I just took a music pose from, you know, life. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely, brother, definitely send all those, uh, those things to me when you, uh, when you release them. So uh, I'll also try to promote your stuff here on the channel. Because like I said, I'm Thank pretty you, sure man. like uh, everyone who hasn't heard of you will be really happy to, to, to find such a, such a great sound, such an eclectic sound awesome mixes and uh, like i said we may do uh another conversation later down the road where we concentrate on maybe on mixing on sound design like maybe source mm -hmm. more uh technical topics but this conversation was uh, a real pleasure for me man like uh, it was really nice talking to you just just like we talk when we're not recording actually because we yeah yeah we yeah, made uh, other other uh, calls actually and we it was just basically the same conversation we had <laughs> it's just this time we're recording that so it was really smooth for me so thank you yeah totally man it was a real pleasure and uh, like i said and uh, in the end of our conversation uh where do you want me to send our viewers and listeners like your socials any new projects that you want to plug maybe you know everything will be down in the description but yeah, just so that people who are interested in your sound can uh, find you and check out your music. I mean, if you go to my Instagram, I have a link tree, um, you know, uh, page that you can find every single um, platform that I'm uh, that I'm in. Actually, you know, you can just go to uh, Bandcamp if you want to buy the music for you know cheap or just listen to on Spotify. But as everything, it's on Instagram. So basically, if you if you link that, as everything is there. Yeah, like it's Medi Music, right? Music isn't Medi part music. of your, music. Music yeah. isn't part of your artist name. It's actually just for people, so that people know it's a music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Music profile. <laughs> exactly. Okay, man. Uh, like I said, thank you for uh, being my first guest on the podcast. It was a real honor, and uh, I hope to speak to you again soon, man. And man, I really uh, hope that's so actually. I had so much fun, man. When whenever you want. Oh uh, totally, man. <laughs> totally, man. Like it's really it's really cool for me to uh to introduce another person to my uh, listeners and viewers because uh you know you, you have your own perspective to bring and uh it's really dope. So thank you. Uh, thanks again. And definitely man. follow Low Hit Beats because I, I followed him in the first place on YouTube and it's actually just of curiosity and uh, I learned so many stuff and plus I downloaded so many cool sounds that you need to follow me. Uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, I remember actually you getting in touch with me and I was like, man, who is this guy? <laughs> and when I checked out your music, I was like, whoa, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, man. So thank uh, you. see you soon, brother. And uh, bye. Peace.